Ooh, a step further. All right, well, welcome back to A Step Further. Um, I'm really excited this week about the message. And, you know, because at first, we're talking about the Feast of Trumpets, which is a feast that God set up, the Lord set up in back in the days when they were out in the wilderness. They had come out of Egypt, and um, the Israelites were in the wilderness, and the Lord was really setting things up for them, preparing them for the Promised Land. And so he set up some feasts, and so we're talking about one of the feasts which happened actually this past weekend, Friday night at sundown, uh, started it, and then it went into Saturday, and from from so from Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown, and there's really not much to say about the Feast of Trumpets. So I, I just kept thinking, okay, well, what am I going to? How am I going to dive deeper into this teaching? than what I've already taught on Sunday. And then I had this Bible study this morning at our county senior center, um, which, shameless plug for them, uh, if you are 60 and over, I would definitely recommend going to the senior center. They're doing a lot of great things out there. And uh, it was a fun time. It's It was fun worshiping and, and fellowshipping and studying the Bible with uh, that group of people today. And we had just we had an amazing study, and I had just prayed, Lord, you know, I know I need to get this podcast out. I don't know what I'm going to do, so I'm praying that something happens today at the Bible study that will maybe just kind of either be enlightening or will help me along the journey. And sure enough, he pulled through because we just we had an amazing time talking about the Feast of Trumpets of all things, and. Um, kind of diving further in and and I just felt like the Lord was really speaking today and so I w- I want to I guess I'm going to redo that Bible study here for this podcast a little bit at least to give you an idea of what we talked about today but then it'll also kind of dive a little bit deeper into what we talked about on Sunday. So if you weren't here on Sunday, um I would definitely recommend that you check the the message out. If not, um I'll dive a little bit deeper into that, as we always do here on A Step Further. Uh, But we're going to be in Leviticus 23. Today I'm going to read out of the New American Standard. Um, Again, that's the one I preach from on Sundays, but I really think that, um, you know, this is just, this version today is going to, it's going to really put out there what I really want to talk about, and it's a great version. But honestly, read from your own version. So if you've got your own Bible or if you've got your own app, uh, whatever version makes sense to you, read it from you. Maybe you get a, a deeper revelation on your own. And I'm hoping that the Lord speaks to you on His own and, and you have that that conversation with Him. And it's not just about what I'm teaching you, but really about the revelation that you might seek on your own. And so, but there was a lot of really good material today that we talked about when we discussed and I'm kind of going to go through a little bit of more than just the Feast of Trumpets because there are some really good things that I think that we need to understand. And one of them is that God really did set up some feasts. He set up some appointed times for the Israelites. He did things and then asked them to remember those things that He did for them. And so starting with verse 1, it says, The Lord again spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, the Lord's appointed times. So now that's 
That's super important. The Lord has appointed times. He says, the Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations. Uh, My appointed times are these. Now, I kind of want to dive into the the word convocation um because a convocation is a it's a it's an assembly of people it's a gathering of people it's a calling of people to to come together so a convocation this is a holy convocation this is when you are to be in one accord and the reason is that God has something that he wants to reveal to you that God has something he wants to show you so his first his first convocation, his first holy appointed time, as he says in verse 3, for six days you work, but on the seventh day there's to be a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation, he says. You should not do any work. It's a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. Now, that Sabbath is super important. Like, you know, as Christians you go, well, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And he says, you know, this is he talks about how important that, that that day of rest is. Now, I don't know about you, but I really fail sometimes at, at having a day of rest. And in the physical, I can see why it's important to have that day of rest. But there's a little bit of something deeper there too, because God wants to show up for you. He wants you know, I was thinking about growing up. Did did we ever have days when um Growing up, did, did we ever have days that it was family time, or did we have moments that it was family time, or did my parents ever go out on a date, or you know that kind of a thing? You know, was that ever a thing where you know maybe you're you're married and and maybe you have a day that you guys set aside to go on a date day? If not, might recommend that. Maybe that will help you out. Um, but just to set a, a time where you go, you know what, this is our time, and and we're gonna go out and we're gonna have a date. Uh, we're going to go on a date night. Now, let me just, let me throw this out at you. Please don't make it about getting groceries and doing things that you have to do and just spending that time together to get things done that you have to get done. No, this is a time that that you just spend together. It's It's a time of rest for your everyday life. And it's a time where you go, you know what, we need to come together. Because that's what this is about for the Lord. This, is, this isn't about just remembering something that was. Because God is the God who says, I am who I am. I am who I was, I am who I am, and I am who I will be. He's who was, who is, and who is to come. And the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever. And he's also the God who knows the beginning from the end. Jesus says, I am the Alpha, the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. So you can't have the end without the beginning. You can't have the beginning without the end. Therefore, everything in between is not just about what was or what's to come. It's about the span of it all. So from beginning to end, he says, I am. Not I was, but I am. And so because God set these things up, I believe wholeheartedly that he has, or he is saying that I want to show up for you. So it's not about just remembering what was, but also this is a date night for the Lord. So God's going, look, work your six days, but I want to have a date night with you. I want to have a date day with you. I want to have a time where you just you're at rest and and you know you're doing whatever, but you're in my presence and I'm in your presence and we're fellowshipping, we're communing together, you know, we're having this time together where I can speak to you, I can fill you up. This is what the Lord's saying, I can fill you up. 
You know, we can have our date night. That's what he's calling for. But then also he has these other things that he's doing in our lives, and he set up these other feasts. Um, And so it goes on in verse 4. He talks about these are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. Now, we remember the story of Passover, right? We remember how when they were in Egypt, the, that um, as a part of a plague, as a part of a punishment for how Egypt treated God's people, what he was going to do was he was going to kill all of the firstborn of the Egyptians. And it's kind of like, don't mess with me and don't mess with my people. The, there's, these plagues are coming because you have not listened to me, because you have not let my people go. These plagues are coming. But what he does is he tells people, you have to have the blood of, of a lamb over your doorpost. And when that, if you have the blood of the lamb over your doorpost, then, and it has to be a pure spotless lamb, right? We know all the specifications and you can read about it um, in Exodus. But when that happens, so the Lord, the angel of death came in and killed all the firstborn of those who did not have the, the, lamb of, the lamb's blood over their doorpost. And that was one of the plagues. Well, that's, we call that Passover. So that's our, that's Passover. And, and they were called to remember that. And then they were called on the 15th day was to start a feast of unleavened bread. They were called to clean out all of the leaven in their homes, the best that they could get all of the, the leaven. The leaven is like a yeast, right? That you use for, for making bread. And there's a reason. And he talks about old leaven and you can read all about this. I'm not going to dive too much deep into this, but uh, there's a reason why unleavened bread happened at Passover, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, and he says, for seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, so bread without leaven, bread without yeast. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation, you shall not do any laborious work, but for seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord, and on the seventh day is a holy convocation, you shall not do any laborious work. So why unleavened bread? What, what was that about? Well, there's a reason, and and God's going to show up. And, and I just want to say that it's not just about remembering what was, but it's about how God is about to show up, not just at one moment in history, but throughout all history. Because, again, He is the Alpha, He is the Omega. He's the beginning and He's the end. He is I Am. He's not I was or I will be. He's I Am, who was and who is and who is to come. Okay, so that I am is all-encompassing. So he's about to show up again. Then the Lord said in in verse 9, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I'm going to give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest. So now we've got Passover, we've got unleavened bread, and we've got these first fruits here. Verse 11, He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, one year old, without defect for a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall then be uh, two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering by fire to the Lord for a soothing aroma with its drink offering, a fourth of a hen of wine. Um, And I believe a hen is approximately one gallon. Well, a fourth of a hen would be approximately a gallon of wine. So until this day, or until this same day, until you have brought in the offering of your God, you shall eat neither bread nor roasted grain for new growth. 
It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. Catch that throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. Okay, so now they have, again, they have Passover, they've got unleavened bread, and they've got uh, first fruits. And I'm going to get into all of this, what, what, the, what this is all about. But then verse 15, you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. So 49 days, you shall count. And then he says, you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. Along with the bread, you shall present seven one-year-old male lambs without defect, and a bull of the herd and two rams. They are to be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. Verse 19, you shall offer also offer one male goat for a sin offering and two male lambs, one year old, for a sacrifice of peace offerings. The priest shall then wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering of two lambs before the Lord. They are to be holy to the Lord for the priest. On this same day, you shall make a proclamation as well. You are to have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It's to be a perpetual statue in all your dwelling places throughout all your generations. So this is important. God is saying that all these things, you're going to, I need you to recognize them throughout all the generations. And there, again, is a purpose. Uh, 22, when you reap the harvest of your land, moreover, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. You're to leave them for the needy and for the alien, so the, the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. And then in verse 23, this is where our, um, our Feast of Trumpets comes in. He says, Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall be present, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. Now, I'm going to stop there, and I want to go back. So, if God is saying that these are not only just remembrances, but they're holy convocations, you're supposed to keep them, well, why? And if they are a date night, if they are something special where the Lord shows up, can we see that throughout history? And yes, we can. So at Passover, they were called to put the blood of a pure spotless lamb over their doorpost so that they could avoid death when the angel of death passed over. That's a very foreshadowing of what was to come thousands of years later, when Jesus was in the upper room, right? And they're celebrating Passover. In that, in that moment, it's time for Passover. So they're, they're abiding by these appointed times. And God's, this is where God says, I'm about to show up now. So at Passover, they're celebrating Passover, and Jesus takes bread. Now, mind you, it's unleavened bread, because they're supposed to be celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the reason it's unleavened is because leaven in in this context is going to represent sin in your life. It's going to re- it's also going to represent something old. So they were called to clean out the old leaven and prepare for what's new. So they did that and in this feast they were eating unleavened bread and so Jesus takes unleavened bread 
without sin, right? If, if leaven represents sin, he's to take this and he says, this is my body broken for you. So I, I who am without sin, Jesus who was without sin, takes the body, the, the bread that was unleavened, and he breaks it and he says, this is my body broken for you. This is a representation of what's about to happen here in this feast week. And he says, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So now we're talking about something else that God is doing. Not only are they going to remember what happened at Passover during the time of the Egyptians, but now they're going to remember what Jesus is about to do for them, and that is to die on the cross for them, to become the sacrifice, to fulfill everything that's written here in these feasts. In Leviticus 23, you heard about all of those feast offerings, right? Those burnt offerings, sin offerings, grain offerings, all you know, so some of this sin offering, he is about to fulfill that sin offering for us. We don't have to make that sin offering. He he makes the ultimate sacrifice. And it says, now, because he shed his blood, because he, he lifts up a glass of wine, and he and by the way, it was the if you ever follow Passover, they have four cups. It was the third cup, the cup of salvation. And he says, This is my blood shed for you. For the remission of sins. He said, I'm going to make you, I'm going to clean, cl- cleanse you with my blood. So the, the sacrificial blood that was given as an offering, it's like, I am, this is now me. So God is going, I am going to make the sacrifice for you. Uh, I am going to show up in this moment for you. So I am shedding the blood. So that all who have the blood of the lamb, who is Jesus, all who have the blood of the lamb can escape death. They don't have to 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 deal with death. And we're talking an eternal death here. It's not that you don't pass away from this earth, but that and Paul says it like this, that the absence from the body is presence with the Lord. So we're talking about um, an, an eternal death here that you can escape death. So uh, 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 an eternal death where you're not in heaven, where you're not with the Lord or whatever you want to say, where you're not in the presence of the Lord. It would be an eternal death. You can escape that by having the blood of the Lamb. Well, that means being aligned with Jesus. So Jesus, who is the embodiment of the Father, right? So he comes to this earth and he makes the sacrifice. He shows up on Passover and he makes the Passover sacrifice himself. And in the unleavened bread, the, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and for seven days they ate unleavened bread, right? It's, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. My body is about to be broken for you, so I am the bread of life. I am the manna from heaven, is what he's saying. And I am, and and there's so much correlation there that if you read the Old Testament, he even says, the whole law testifies to me. That's what Jesus said. Like, Everything in the Old Testament, it's a, it's a testament. It's a testimony to me and who I am. That's, that's what it was set up for. It's what it's there for. And um, so that's what we have. So then uh, first fruits, you go, well, how, how does he show up on first fruits? What does that look like? Well, when you read in the book of Matthew, and you can, it's only in the book of Matthew, so I don't know why that is, but Matthew's the only one that records it that there is a time when Jesus is on the cross, a big storm comes. Okay, Jesus has given up his life, and, and Jesus is, like, he, he's died now. He's, he's on the cross, and he has, his spirit has left the body. And so he is dead. 
when that happens, this big kind of earthquake takes place. And during that earthquake, the temple veil in the, in the holy temple is torn that, that separates, you know, the rest of the temple from the holy foot. It's torn. And it says in Matthew 27, it says that the, the graves of many holy people were opened up and they were resurrected from the dead and they roamed the city. So this is the first fruits. This is the, this is Jesus offering the first fruits to the Lord. These are the holy people. These are holy people that have died. They are now being resurrected to you, Lord. These are my first fruits, my first fruit offering. And then he, so that's, he fulfills that. He shows up during first fruits, and that's when we see that. So then we have this time where they count the seven Sabbaths, right? And I said 49 days, seven times seven is 49. So seven seven days a week, seven Sabbaths, 49. And then on the 50th day after the Sabbath, it, they were to offer a grain offering. It's That's a time we call Pentecost. In the church, they call it Pentecost. In Hebrew, it's called Shavuot. They were called to to celebrate the Feast of Shavuot, and they were to bring the first fruits of their harvest to the Lord and offer it up to the Lord. Now, this is a different kind of first fruits, so catch this. When they were in the wilderness, this is how God shows up. When they were in the wilderness out of Egypt, they were going up to the mountain, Mount Sinai. You know this story. Moses is going up to Mount Sinai, and he's talking to the Lord, and the Lord gives him the Ten Commandments, right? We've all seen, or you may have heard of the movie, The Ten Commandments. You might have seen The Prince of Egypt. Who knows? Um, I don't think it's actually in The Prince of Egypt. I think The Prince of Egypt just talks about getting from, you know, out of Egypt. But... Um, You've, you've seen the Ten Commandments, and with or you've heard about the Ten Commandments movie, you know, with Charlton Heston. Um, so you know that you've probably read about it in your Bible. The Lord, or yeah, the Lord speaks to Moses on the mountain, and He gives him the Ten Commandments. Uh, that day that that was happening, that was on the day of Pentecost. Now, here's a, an odd revelation too: is that they're supposed to be making an offering on Pentecost. Right, that's what the Lord has set up. Uh, not that He has set it up in this moment, but they're in the wilderness, and on the day of Pentecost, they're given the Word of God. They're given the written Word of God. While God's giving Moses the written Word, they're down there not sacrificing or giving an offering to the Lord, but rather creating an image of what really. You know, they should be sacrificing an animal, yet they're creating an animal and worshiping it. So they, they went from worshiping the creator to worshiping the created. And and because they lost hope in Moses, because he's been up on the mountain for so long, talking to the Lord. Anyway, that's that's a free revelation. I don't know where that's coming from, but um, it's, it's interesting that um, this is what God has been saying. Like, like we're, we're called to worship him. We're called to have this time with him. And yet, if we're not careful, we will take that time and create some sort of religion out of it. It's not what we're called to do. We're not called to make a religion out of this. We're called to have that relationship with the Lord. So that's where we're at here. We have this this, um, receiving of the Word of God. Now I want to show you something that's really neat about this time, because it's not the only time that God shows up. God also shows up on Pentecost much later 
when the living word is given to the people. Um, I'm going to take a step aside. I didn't say this on Sunday, but I want to take a step aside and, and say that I, I believe, we know that Jesus was not born on Christmas, right? That December 25th was, was not the day that Jesus was born. Um, that there are many theories as to when Jesus was born, whether he was born in the spring or whether he was born in the late fall or um, whatever the case may be. My own personal belief, this is my own belief. You take this for what it's worth. This is my own belief, okay? Um, my own belief is that Jesus was probably born on Pentecost. So what I did say on Sunday was that Jesus, or that I believe that Gabriel came to Mary and and made the announcement. I believe that happened on Feast of Trumpets, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I believe that that happened on Feast of Trumpets, and I believe, you know, nine to ten months later, Jesus was actually born on the following, what would be the following Pentecost. Okay, and and I can go deeper into that. If you ever want to talk to me about that, we can talk about it. But one thing I want to say is that if you follow John, and we're talking in the first chapter here, John chapter 1, he opens up with some a really unique thing where he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now catch this, he was in the beginning with God. What did Jesus say? I am. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. In Hebrew, I am the Aleph and the Tav. There's a whole teaching behind that that we can go into one day. Uh, in the beginning, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3 of John chapter 1 says, All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Now if you're not careful... Uh, what it would say, what you could say is, well, that word was, you know, God said, let there be light. That's what the word was. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But the word is actually the word. And it was given in written form to Moses on Pentecost. Okay? so But it says, through him all things came into being, and apart from him nothing came into being that, was, that has come into being. So nothing has come into being without this word. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In other words, the light, like, imagine this. You're in a dark room, or let's just say you're in a lit room, and you turn the flashlight on on your phone. Okay? When you turn the flashlight on on your phone, let's say all the lights go out except for that light on your phone you still will be able to see that light. The darkness can't overpower that light. It can't envelop that light. Well, that's the same way with with Jesus. Jesus is the light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. It cannot envelop it. It can't overpower it. It will not happen. Then it talks about the witness of John, and then in verse 14, here's the most important part. It says, Then the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of only as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in other words, the word became flesh. Jesus came to this earth. Now before I go on, I want to take you back to Jeremiah. And I don't remember, I want to, it's either 30, 
I think it's I think it's Jeremiah thirty three. So let me get there. Jeremiah or thirty two maybe. Let me look. I'm looking. Can you hear the the um, Jeopardy song playing right now? The theme song. Uh, that's not the Jeopardy theme song, is it? Oh, uh, just do good to faithfully plant them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it, it's in. I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. This is chapter 32. I will rejoice over them to do them good and will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart, with all my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I brought all of this, it's not that part. It's not what I was looking for. Anyway, it talks about, he talks about how he's going to put the word on their hearts. And I cannot believe that I'm forgetting this Bible verse, but um, he talks about how he's going to put the word on their hearts and uh, they will, no longer will will people say, hey, here it is. It's in Jeremiah 31. Wow. Okay. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. It says, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Here we go. With the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them out by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which, by the way, they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Verse 33, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law, so this is the word, I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Well, how is he going to do that? He's going to do that by fulfilling the Passover, by by offering up the sacrifice, by you know fulfilling it through the the breaking of Jesus' body to the shedding of his blood to the death on the cross to the offering of the first fruits. He's going to forgive their sins no more. But how is he going to get his law written into their hearts? How are they going to know him? And that's only going to be by the giving of the Holy Spirit. Well, how are they going to give the how is he going to give the Holy Spirit? When's he going to give the Holy Spirit? Well then we read about it in Acts. So Acts 1, he says, you will receive one verse eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so he goes on to talk about how it all comes through the Holy Spirit. Well, when were they given the Holy Spirit? They were given the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. So the Word was written on their hearts in Pentecost. You and I have that very thing. If we are believers in Jesus. If, if we accept Jesus as our Messiah, then we've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given the breath of God that is within us. So now the law is written on our hearts. So, and really what that is, guys, is that's a love story. That's God saying, I, this, this whole thing from day one has been about a relationship with me. It's been about a relationship with me. So here's why I believe that Jesus was born on Pentecost is because 
the gap between the written word and the word on our hearts is that the word became flesh. So the word came to this earth. So he gave us the written word, he gave us the word in the flesh, and then he gave us the word in our hearts. So when would all that happen? If God is consistent, I, would, I believe that it would happen on Pentecost or Shavuot. That's my own belief. That was all free, except for the part that it, we were given the Holy Spirit. The, the first disciples were given the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and that really Moses was given the written word on the day of Pentecost. That fulfills that. It's when God shows up. The thing about Jesus being born there was my own thing, and and that's just why I believe what I believe. Again, all free. And um, so we move on into the next thing. So we're now we're out of the spring feast. We're out of that transition Shavuot feast, and we get into verse uh, 23, which says, Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first month, you shall have a rest with a reminder of blowing trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. Now, the beautiful thing about the Feast of Trumpets is it seems so insignificant, yet the trumpets is a time of announcing. It's a time that the Lord is ready to make all things new. That's why the Jews celebrate a new year during that time. They call it Rosh Hashanah. But in reality... Uh, it's the Lord saying, I am about to make all things new. I am doing something new. Isaiah 61 says that, um, behold, I'm about to do something new. Can you perceive it? Can you perceive it? So the Lord's going to do something new. These trumpets represent something new. There's a voice in the wilderness, John the Baptist, the voice in the wilderness crying, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight paths in the wilderness, make a highway for our God. So John the Baptist, in, in essence, was a, a trumpet sound. He was a making an announcement. That's why I believe that Gabriel came to Mary uh, on the Feast of Trumpets, because it fulfills a feast that, that he would come to her and say, you are about to have a baby. Even though you have not had any sexual relations with a guy, you're about to have a baby, because the Lord is about to do something new. Now, one thing that I've recognized is that the Lord, not only trumpets do they mean that God is about to do something new, but in order for something new to come along, you have to have the old torn down. And so how do we do that? What are we, what are we doing here? Like, And where do we see that in the Bible? Well, Joshua, when he's leading the people into the promised land, the Lord says he's going to go ahead of the people and fight their battles. So he gets to Jericho, and the... Uh, it's walled off. So like most cities in that time, they're walled off from outsiders. So Joshua and the people march around the camp for six days. They march around the camp. And then it says, then they blew the trumpets. Now the trumpets, what God is referring to, the trumpets were ram's horns. And so if you ever heard a ram's horn, uh, we did it Sunday in church. I have one that I, that I blew um, and even in church, like it just, there was something about it that sh- shakes your inside. It, it kind of, I don't know what it does, but it just, you feel it on the inside. Well, imagine all of these people blowing their ram's horn. And then what happens, the Bible says the walls came tumbling down. Now, the, uh, somebody at Bible study this morning brought up that the walls didn't collapse, you know, to the outside. It actually collapsed to the inside, 
which means you know it was a destruction of of the the things that were not supposed to be there you know and for us it's it's the walls on the inside the eternal walls need to come crashing down they need to come crashing down on on the inside so the question is what are some things excuse me what are some things that you need to tear down in your life what are some old things that need to go away so that god can do something new so at the blasting of the trumpet, what are some things of old that need to come down that that allow the Lord to do something new? And then after the Feast of Trumpets, the next feast is the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And this is a time, he says, you should not do the work. And he talks about an offering. But the biggest thing that uh, um, he talks about in verse 27, he says, on exactly the 10th day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. And here's the here's the big word. You shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on the same day, for it's a day of atonement, to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there is any person who will not humble himself on this day, he shall be cut off from his people. He shall be cut off from his people. As for any person who does any work on this day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do any work at all. It's to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. So and it's funny, in all your dwelling places. Now you think, well, for every person in their dwelling place, but also in all your dwelling places. So it's almost like the Lord is saying, you know, not only are you going to be dwelling in the promised land, but you're going to be going into exile again from the promised land because you're going to screw up, which we do because we're human. And even in your dwelling places, even in Babylon, you know, there's, I don't know how many Jew, uh, Jewish people are in America now, but used to, America used to have the largest population of Jewish people. Still, even in America, celebrate, you are to recognize this, this thing throughout all your generations, throughout all your dwelling places. It's to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall humble your souls. That, that word, humble your souls, uh, and that is being able to put yourself down. Like my selfishness needs to come down. This is a time when I am to be just hooked up to the Lord. I am to humble myself before the Lord because I am human. My humanity is horrible too because, you know, I don't, I do bad things. I'm not perfect. I wish I was perfect, but I'm not perfect. Thanks be to God that that because Jesus died on the cross, like, the consequences, according to the law, the consequences of my sin have been taken care of. There's no judgment. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Word says that. If anyone is in Jesus, he is a new creation. The, I love it. Uh, I'm about to do something new, but something old has to come down. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And the Bible says, the old is gone and the new has come. So what is in your life, the old that needs to go away? We're talking about blowing the trumpet here. What is the wall that needs to come down? What are the walls that need to come down in your life? And then finally, uh, he says, speak to the sons of this, verse 33. Kind of jumping around, and I'm sorry. Uh, But speak to the sons of Israel, saying, on the 15th day of the seventh month is the Feast of Booths for seven days. Now, we've talked about how Paul was a tent maker. We talked about this on a Sunday morning. Talked about how Paul was a tent maker. But that word tent means talit. 
Well, these guys were to celebrate the Feast of Booths for seven days, and it was kind of to remember the fact that God brought them out. They were living in tents, temporary tents, in the wilderness when God brought them out of Egypt. But God was dwelling with them. Remember, they built the whole big tent of the tabernacle, and when they built the whole tent of the tabernacle, it's not like six million Jews could fit into that thing. So how are they going to do this? Well, they had their own prayer shawls, their own talits, their own you know tents, and they would stand outside, and they would, again, the Lord dwelt with them. So this idea of the Feast of Tents is that the Lord dwells with them. But here's the deal. They have to come, even in the Promised Land, when they're in their homes, they have to come out into this dwelling place, this temporary dwelling place, for seven days. They're to wear these tents. They're to have these tents that they live in. They're coming out of the comfort of their home. Their comfort zone. They got to come out of the comfort zone. They got to come out of the things that that keep them from from the presence of the Lord. What are some things in your life that keep you from the presence of the Lord? What are some things that keep you? Like maybe it's your phone, maybe it's TV, maybe it's computer, you know, all the technology things. Maybe it's that I don't know, that great book you read. I'm not saying that you can't have those things in your life, but there are a time when you need to be able to set those things down and say, I need to be in the presence of the Lord. What is keeping me from the presence of the Lord? What are the comforts? What are the the things of this world that are keeping me from the presence of the Lord? And he says, for seven days, they were, to, they were called to do these, this feast of booths, this feast of tents. But it's not that they were... It's not that they were afflicting themselves, right? Like, oh, I got to get rid of all of these things. It was that, no, I'm actually going to go and be in the presence of the Lord because the Lord dwells with us. And here's what I love about it is that one day we will dwell eternally with the Lord. It says that he will set up his kingdom here on earth. He will, regardless how you interpret that, whether it's it's a complete new heaven and a new earth or whether he's restored this earth, however you want to, However you want to interpret that, I don't know. I I, I know what I believe. But um, in all reality, the point is this, is that one day he will set up his kingdom and we will be in tabernacle. We will be in communion with him. Because regardless, this whole thing has been about a relationship from day one. And the reason he set all of this up was that he's he's trying to make all things new so that one day we would be restored to him. Whatever that looks like, we would be restored to him because we we fell away from him in the garden. And from that day on, we we had fallen away from him. We all fall short of the glory of God. Well, one day he's going to restore us all back to him. In fact, if you would accept Jesus, if you haven't, you know, if you're going, I just, yeah, I go to church. I've been going to church all my life. Um, but I never really experienced Jesus for myself. That's my prayer is that you would experience Jesus for yourself. Because if, if not, then this whole thing probably means nothing to you. And you're going, I'm falling asleep listening to this podcast. You know, I'm falling asleep on a Sunday morning listening to the pastor preach or whatever. If you haven't experienced Jesus, that's my prayer for you is that you experience Jesus. And he set all of this up so that we would experience and we would know him. We would begin to know him. These are date nights that the Lord wants with his people. These are things that the Lord wants with his people. And I'm not saying you know, necessarily that we have to celebrate the way that they did. or I think it's super important to recognize it because they are part of God's calendar. They're part of how God shows up for his people. And you can recognize the times and the seasons according to what he has set up versus what man has tried to distort 
or what man has tried to set up. And I could go into a whole other teaching on that too. But um, you recognize that this is what God set up. This is how God reveals himself to his people. And it's amazing. Now, I am looking at the time here, and I'm thinking, I didn't. at first I thought, I didn't have enough to teach a podcast. And I think this is probably going to be my longest podcast yet. So I am sorry for that. But I have all this information I want to get out because it's, it's all about the relationship with the Lord and being united with Him the way that He wants us to be united with Him. Like, I set these things up so you can see what I've done, what I'm doing, and what I'm going to do. Because he's the God who was, who is, and who is to come. He is the I am. And he wants to have that relationship with you. And I pray that you would have that relationship with him, that you would desire to have that relationship with him, and that you would follow his will and his lead. Those who want to follow him, may you take up your cross and follow him. Because if you want to save your own life, do it on your own terms, you're going to lose your life. But if you're willing to do it his way, and if you're willing to follow him, you would definitely save your life. So I pray that that would be your goal and that would be your heart. I love you. I hope to see you on a Sunday morning at 930, whether it's actually in person or on Facebook Live. If you can't make it again, we upload our videos on YouTube. Um, Ayersville CC, I believe, is our channel. And um, however it is, we look forward to seeing you or hearing from you. I love you and I can't wait to hear from you.